And uh, let's look here in John chapter 1 again. I want to go from a school, school terminology way. I mean, I, we are still homeschooling. Well, I say we, but my wife is still homeschooling our, one of our children. Um, and when you grow up, uh, how many of you are public school kids like me? Right? Government kids? All right, that's what I thought. Majority of this crowd. That's why this church has so many issues. Amen. But uh, how many were Christian school kids? I know we got a few in here. Wonderful. How many were homeschool kids? We always got the homeschool crowd. All right. But you learn consistent things in all three areas of education, and, and uh, I know there's subjects we all probably prefer over others. I always loved mathematics. Mathematics was probably my favorite. Mathematics and history and lunch were my three favorite subjects. And uh, mathematics, my daughter, one of my daughters hates math so much, she said if geometry was in the street, Dad, and got run over by a car, she would step on its throat and kill it uh, because she hates math so much. But, uh, but mathematics is, is a pretty pretty... I just love it. I love the logic of it. I love the reasoning for it. And one thing we learn in mathematics is the power of the equal sign. In grammar and in English, we use is, that little one-syllable, two-letter word. Is is the equal sign for the language of English. And Brother Cornelius made a statement in the Sunday school class. It may have been the most profound statement I've heard in a while. He said, we have become consumers of our society and because of that, the society now consumes us. When you begin to become a slave to what society presents as truth, eventually that so-called truth will consume you. It's important to understand today that truth is truth. That's such a simple statement, yet so many people will say a statement or make a statement and then claim that to be truth you can say two plus two equals five all day long but we all know that if I have two apples in this hand and two apples in this hand I have a total of four apples you can say that all you want you can say it so much that you start to believe it as truth but it will not change the original truth you can say what you want but an X chromosome plus an X chromosome equals a female an X chromosome plus a Y chromosome equals a male. Again, our society is redefining that and forcing it down our throats. And I'm not going to let Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh and, and all those guys take a stronger stand on that than the Bible. We need to love sinners and welcome anybody. Everybody has issues, but you cannot redefine truth. Biblical marriage is a man plus a woman equals marriage. That's the Bible definition. That is truth. But may I submit to you today that one of the reasons why we struggle with such basic truths of life in that regard is because our God, our Savior, is not now being represented appropriately on the other side of equals. If God is on one side of the equal equation, then, then God must be on the other side of the equal equation. If Jesus is on one side of the equal equation, then the same Jesus must be on the other side of the equal equation. It's not that difficult to understand. However, let me take a quick detour. If you have your Bibles there, let's go ahead and go to Mark chapter 13 and look at verse number 22. And this same Jesus, who is defined by who he is, loves everybody. He loves sinners, but the same Jesus hates sin. The, love, the same Jesus loves holiness, but he is a savior of love. 
And we must present him as such. He is a balanced Savior. Just like 2 plus 2 equals 4, 3 plus 3 equals 6, 4 plus 4 equals 8, 5 plus 5 equals 10, does not make 6 plus 6 equal 13. We all understand that basic knowledge. But if you look here in Mark chapter 13, verse 22, the Bible says, For, what's the next word? Remember in school, going back to the school analogy, I love true and false questions because you are guaranteed to have 50% chance of getting it right. How many of you remember true and false? One answer was, one, one, the statement was either true or it was false. And you would read that statement in school and decide such. Jesus is using that same terminology today to help us to understand the dangerous ground on which we're walking in society today when religion and mankind and even governments and Hollywood are redefining Jesus or giving us an answer on the other side of the equals that does not equal who Jesus really is. So the Bible says here, for false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, look at this, to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Meaning those that know Jesus the best even have the potential to fall prey to that. Now before a person shows up and becomes the false Christ and false prophet, I think it is essential in Satan's toolbox to present a figment of imagination that is not accurate in depicting who Jesus Christ is. In other words, before we see an embodiment of a false Christ or an embodiment of a false Jesus, we must begin to entertain in our minds the concept of a different Christ than the Bible presents. Because if Jesus is presented as such in a false way, then the embracing of a false Christ eventually becomes that much easier for us in the society in which we live today. You see, Brother Cornelius has a different mindset than many Christians do in America. He comes from Romania and the Romanian church. He knows what it's like to have the underground church. The man I talked about a few weeks ago, Yosef Son. I didn't say it right. I know I didn't say it right. Yosef Son. He knows him personally. He's sat with him and talked with him and had meals with him. He's younger than Yosef Son, but Yosef Son had some influence on Brother Cornelius. And so they are definitive in their mind of Christ. But we live in a society today where podcasts and Hollywood and government is now telling us who Jesus is. Jesus is just a good teacher. He was a good teacher, but he's not just that. Jesus was a good rabbi. Jesus was a miracle worker. Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a man that eschewed and, and, and taught a morality. And, and he taught moral challenges and moral values. And because of that, that is good. But they forget the depth of who Jesus is. Because when it's all said and done, Peter made a basic statement when he said this. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus equals Jesus. There's no redefining who Jesus Christ is. I don't care what a televangelist preacher says. I don't care what a man who has many degrees says. I don't care what I say. Jesus is going to be Jesus whether we believe or not or redefine him or not. He is Jesus. Now let's go back to John chapter 1. I'll give you two quick thoughts and I'll be done. Many believe that Genesis 1 and John 1 have some parallels Genesis 1 could arguably be, or it is, no, no argument. It is the first chapter of the Old Testament. Some say John 1 could technically be the first chapter of the New Testament. Because in that chapter, we see that same opening statement of in the beginning. 
The first three words of the Bible in the Old Testament are what? In the beginning. Finish the verse for me. In the beginning, God what? All right. Several verses down, the first God thing God says in the Bible is let there be. Why was that so significant? It is very significant. He does not create the sun for several more days, but he immediately talks about the concept of light. Light is very important. Light gives us clarity. I'm glad we're meeting right now at 11.10 a.m. church instead of 11.10 p.m. First of all, half of this crowd would be zonked out sleeping at 11.10 p.m. And the other half would probably be messing around on their phones, right? Some of you are still messing around on your phones right now, and you should not be, amen? All right, stay with me now. But you see here that John chapter 1 has the same words. In the beginning, God is introducing a very important concept here. Just as he did in Genesis chapter 1. Let there be light. There's clarity. God is announcing himself as the authority he created. Now he's going to announce clarity on that which was created. There's clarity for the authority. And so God says, now I'm going to let there be light. And there was light. I love that statement. And God said, let there be light. And the Bible says, there was light. When God says something, then it should be followed through. So here in this chapter, we see opening this verse, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now it's past tense here, not like he is risen as such. Jesus is still the word, but in this context here, he's teaching us about Jesus Christ in human form. The Bible proves that in the same chapter because the Bible says in verse number 11, he came unto his own. What are they talking about? Jesus in body and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he the powers to become the sons of God to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of, the, of man, but of God. Look at this verse 14. And the word, there's that word, there's the fourth time the word appears in this chapter. The word was made what? Flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as the, of the only begotten of the Father. Beautiful balance here, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. So what are you saying today, preacher? I'm saying that we are in a dangerous, dangerous part of Christianity society today. Jesus is not being portrayed accurately. People are choosing to believe Hollywood's depiction of Jesus rather than the Bible's teachings of Jesus. They're allowing other false religions to define Jesus. They're letting some 40-year-old man who sits in the basement of his parents' house who has a podcast, who's only maybe seen one movie on Jesus and read the Bible one time, to now tell the whole world he's an expert on who Jesus is and what Jesus represents. Everybody's stirred up about this He Gets Us commercial that went out two weeks ago on Sunday night. People have been asking me my opinion on it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. There's a, a commercial campaign out there, He Gets Us, and it talks about Jesus Christ. Everybody has an opinion on that. Some think it's great, some think it's not. I think anything that gives Jesus Christ some spotlight is not a bad thing, but I will say this. When you begin to teach that he only gets us, we're missing the most important part in this, that he saves us. He doesn't just get us today, he forgives us. He doesn't just get us today, he loves us. He doesn't just get us today, he died for us. He doesn't just get us today, he lived again today for us. He doesn't just get us today, he's the savior of mankind. That's the message we've got to get out to the world. But isn't it amazing how we can take something and tweak it just a little bit so it sounds so spiritual and it sounds so good and the next thing we know, we are robbing the Son of God who told us himself who he is. 
One of the things about preaching the way we preach in this day is people love to make decisions for me that I have not approved of. For example, people will tell me what I hate and don't like. You don't know what I hate and don't like. I know what I hate and don't like. You don't have the authority to decide for me what I hate and don't like. It's very easy. There are two main things I hate in this world. I hate the devil and I hate coffee. That's it. I pretty much like and love just about everything else. So for you to go out and say, I hate this group of people or I hate that group of people, you are now defining something that does not represent who I really am. But guess what? Who cares about me? Jesus needs to be represented properly. So what is he teaching us in this chapter? Boy, this is so profound, and I'll be done real quickly. I want you to look here. Actually, I'll just read it for you. Let's, let's stay here in John 1. He saith unto them, Peter, in verses 15 and 16 of, of Matthew 16, Jesus says, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answering him said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I already quoted it, Genesis 1, 3, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So, number one, he is the word. He is the word. The word in this verse is defined as logos, which means the literal word we use for the word English. It does not mean the person of Christ. It means the word of Christ. It literally means when you read the Bible, you are reading Jesus Christ. He is logos, the word. Why is that so significant today? Because the word then gives us the authority. When a man used to say that in the old days, remember, I give you my word. What did that mean? It meant you could count on him to follow through with what he told you he was going to do. We don't have much of that in society today. They used to be back in the old days, you didn't have to sign a piece of paper to go to the bank to get a loan. You knew the banker and he'd say, you're good for your word and I give you my word. And that's the way they, farmers back then that built this country, they'd just make a little loan and they'd go out there and they'd pay their bills and they trusted each other. And boy, boy, today we're so full of lies and connivings and, and deceits and, and falsehoods. And Jesus here is making it very clear. If you want to know who Jesus is, you don't have to go to Hollywood. You don't need to turn on the television. You don't need to go to the Washington, D.C. White House. Definitely don't need to go there. You don't need to go to the government mansions. You don't even know to the, go to the hallways of schools, public schools and universities. If you want to know who Jesus is, go to the Word. The Word is the authority on Jesus. I'd like to know Jesus better. Get in the Word. I want to know how Jesus thinks. Get in the Word. I want to know why Jesus does what he does. Get in the Word. I want to know how Jesus forgives like he does. Get in the Word. I want to hear about the cross. Get in the Word. I want to figure out what kind of personality he has. Get in the Word. I want to try to study how is it that the Son of God never sinned. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet never sinned. How? Get in the Word. Get in the Word. The Word is the authority for the other side of that equation, the equal sign of who Jesus is. He's the authority. He will tell you who he is. You don't even need me to tell you who he is. I can, I'll try my best, but I might even fail. But I know this, if I preach the Bible and go to the Bible, I don't have to worry about finding out who he is. The Bible will tell me who he is. He is the final authority. This is very important. Where do we learn of Jesus today? We learn from the word. He is the word. And in his word, his word is key and we know that he is the word, and because of that, we now can stand with authority and say, I do know who Jesus is today. Amen. Who is Jesus today? Who is he? You understand that even in surveys and secular polls and worldwide polls, he still makes the top five, top ten list, don't miss this now, of most influential, influential historical figures in the history of mankind. 
Did you hear what I said? Jesus still makes the top five list. I saw a list just a few days ago that said the most important people in the history of mankind, and Jesus was number one on that list. A few days later, I saw another list. He was number three. A few days later, I saw another list. He was number six. If you Google it, Jesus makes the list. If he's that high on the list, why, why isn't much more of this world saved today? I'll tell you why. Because they don't know the other side of the equation of who Jesus is. Because when you recognize him as the son of God and you believe him as the authority and who he is, because when he came to this earth, by the way, we preached this on a few Wednesday nights ago. The Bible says several times in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, in the book of Thessalonians, the Bible says that God raised Jesus from the dead. And can I be honest with you? When I first got saved, I struggled with that concept. I'm thinking to myself, well, if Jesus is God, why didn't he just raise himself up from the dead? He raised others from the dead. But God is teaching us something so profound here. He's teaching us that while all the other leaders of religion in the history of mankind died, they still lay in their tomb. But the God of the universe chose to raise Jesus from the dead because Jesus is who he said he was. Praise the Lord for that. Do you understand the revelation we're receiving today as a church? We ought to be getting excited about that right now. Oi, 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 Brother Cornelius. Yoo-hoo! That's what they say in Romania when they get excited. They don't say some weak sauce, amen. They say, oi, oi, oi. Right, Brother Cornelius? Can you help me? Can you say it? Oi, oi, oi. And yoo-hoo, right? Let's try to do that today, church. Oi, oi, oi. Isn't that neat? How about yoo-hoo? Amen. Not yahoo. That's out west and down in Texas. But yoo-hoo. Amen. We have victory today because we stand upon the authority of Jesus and who he says he is. By the way, in my salvation and growth, you know what I have learned? That the Bible is true. So number one, the word gives us authority. Number two, God says, I'm not going to just stop there. I'm going to make sure you understand that he is the light. Look at John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. So we have the word three times in verse 1 and one time in verse 14. Now we see in verse 6, there was a man come from God whose name was John. Uh-huh. Verse 7, the, that came, same came from a witness to bear witness of the capital L light. Jesus calls us the light of the world in Matthew chapter 5, but we're lowercase l. Just like in John chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the capital S spirit, God's spirit, is lowercase s spirit, man's spirit. That's us. That's what we talked about last Sunday. All right, stay with me now. That which is, that was, he said, he said he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, capital L, that was the true light. I just think it, it's not an accident. I, was, I got so excited with the coach when I was looking at this the other day. Four the words and four capital lights. One for, one for one, one for each other. Talk about the equal, one equals one, one equals one, one equals four equals four. Just seeing that, little things like that, I got excited. I had a little yoo-hoo moment right there. So what does that do? Here's how good God is. Don't, don't miss this. Boy, this is good. When my children were two and three years old, I said to them, don't do this. And sometimes they would say, why? And I would say, because I said so. And that was enough when they were two and three years old. Because if you sit down and try to logic with a two and three year old, eventually they will warp your mind. <laughs> you will end up going crazy if you try to debate and philosophize with a two and three year old. So it is acceptable, don't miss this now, to say to a child, because I said so. Don't play in the road. Why? Because I said so. But when they turn 13, I say to my daughters, don't wear that. Oh, we got quiet right there. 
it got real quick. You know the secular world is even starting to say, enough with the way people are dressing at gyms and stuff nowadays. There's ladies out there calling women out saying, come on, people. Come on, have some decency. The Bible still talks about modesty. The Bible still talks about shame and nakedness. It's in the book. All right? Some of you are getting nervous right now. But I say that to my daughter, not because I'm some mean ogre, because I know how wicked men are out there, and I want to protect my daughter. So what did you do, Dad? I gave her clarity on my authority. So when a child is 14 and says, Dad, why can't I hang out with this? Why can't I go to this place? Because I said so, it doesn't work anymore. I need to teach them why. And now they understand and say, wow, dad has my best interest at heart. Dad loves me. Dad cares for me. And now I have a 24-year-old daughter and a 22-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old daughter who adore their daddy. They, they will tell you that. And I adore them. I would die for my babies. My one daughter caught the bouquet yesterday. I was not happy about that. I'm sending her to Romania with Brother Cornelius next month. She's going on a three-year mission trip. But no, we have such a close relationship. Even though I have felt them, girls, daddy has tried his best to give you clarity on the authority. And that's why to this day, even the other day, my 22-year-old called, Dad, can I do this? I'm like, why are you asking me that, baby? You can do whatever you want. You're an adult. I know, Daddy, but I, I mean, it's, it's sweet. I'm not some mean ogre. We, adore, we love each other. We adore each other. That's what the kind of relationship God wants with us. You see, the problem with many Christians today is they were always told, because I said so, and instead of getting mad at people who say that, you got mad at God. And God all the while is saying, hey, there are times when I just need to say, by the way, you need to get saved. Why? Because God said so. But boy, as you start to grow, God wants to teach you why he believes what he believes. And God wants to guide you and teach you. And that's where we use the phrase, hmm, let me shed some on the subject. So God in this chapter is teaching us that his son is the son of God by authority. And number two, by clarity. Because when you turn the light on, things make a whole lot more sense. I'm almost 50, which means I don't always sleep straight six hours without having to go to the potty. My wife hates when I talk about the potty. I don't mean to sound crude. But I have to learn where to map out my journey is to the restroom in the middle of the night. Because I don't want to turn all the lights on because then I'm have another problem with my wife. I heard a great quote the other day. They said, you know, if you want to find out who loves you more, your dog or your wife, lock them both in a trunk for four hours and find out who's happy to see you when you come back. Amen. How many of you men are going to try that experiment this week? If you do, let me know when your funeral is and I will be glad to preach your funeral. We will have your obituary on the screen next week if, that's, if that happens. <laughs> Let me close today. Let me close today. Listen, church, we have the blessed honor of knowing who Jesus is today. I don't have to waver on who he is. The Bible has taught me. So when Hollywood comes up with its ideas and university professors come up with their ideas, I laugh at them and go right back to the source. Because not only does he have the authority to say who he is, he gave us clarity. What kind of clarity are you talking about? Well, let's look at it, and I'm done with this one right here. Look at John chapter 1 again in verse number seven, 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness. Don't miss this now. That's what you and me get to do now. We get to be a witness of the light by being a light. And because of his authority and his clarity, 
We get to go to a whole world now today and show them that this equation is still true. Jesus equals Jesus. By the way, Brother Josh, he proved it. Because beyond the cross, there's a tomb that is empty. That is clarity. Jesus equals Jesus. Head about, head about, eyes are closed. Thank you for listening so well.
that is empty. You won't find me there anymore. And beyond the tomb is life everlasting and hope forevermore. Then I sought reassurance and went to the tomb, to the place where his body once lay. And I cried, Lord, help me see, is there hope here for me? And this I heard him say, 